Families face daunting challenges from the world, the flesh, and the devil. We'll speak with a theologian about why Americans have succumbed to the sexual revolution and with a medical doctor about how parents can help their kids stand against sexual temptation. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. I will never question the patriotism of others in this campaign. Senator Barack Obama speaking at a patriotic rally in a carefully chosen location, sort of an interesting name chosen, uh, heading into Independence Day, also burnishing his patriotic uh, patriotic credentials. He's had his patriot- patriotism called into question a few times lately, uh, Barack Obama vowing not to do that to others. Uh, Barack Obama also saying that veterans, like his political rival, John McCain, deserve the utmost respect for their service. No one should ever devalue that service, especially for the sake of a political campaign, and that goes for supporters of both sides. You may have heard why he had to do this. It's because uh, one of the people on the short list for his vice presidential pick, General Wesley Clark, has questioned really the service of John McCain, saying it doesn't really fit him to be the commander in chief. Barack Obama says he's always been patriotic, despite what detractors have alleged. At certain times over the last 16 months, I found for the first time my patriotism challenged at times as a result of my own carelessness, more often as a result of the desire by some to score political points and raise fears and doubts about who I am and what I stand for. Awfully careless to be in the church of a person uh, for 20 years who loves to bash America in many ways and during many sermons. But that's a subject for another day. We are going to talk, though, about the role of someone's uh, position on Christianity in a presidential campaign. Is that uh, really appropriate? But also, uh, listen to this clip. Uh, We played it last week. This is Gloucester, Massachusetts Mayor Carolyn Kirk in a news conference Wondering if things in movies and pop culture may indicate that teen pregnancy is okay. Jamie Lynn Spears, there's a certain glamorization of um, pregnancy and the movies that that are out that are portraying teen pregnancy as, as desirable or as something that can be managed. 
Why are we playing this? Well, later in the program, we are going to be joined by Dr. Gary Rose from the Medical Institute of Sexual Health. He is trying to help parents and teens navigate the sexualized culture. I'm also going to ask my in-studio guest a little bit about this issue. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. I am Penna Dexter sitting in for Dr. Johnson. And with me in studio is someone who has actually played a little bit of musical chairs here in the studio. He is a friend of mine, Dr. Russell Moore. And Dr. Moore is Dean of the School of Theology at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He's also director of the Carl Henry Institute and Senior Vice President for Academic Administration at Southern. And uh, we served on the Resolutions Committee together for the Southern Baptist Convention. He's here. He was hosting Dr. Moeller's, Dr. Al Moeller's show here in our studio. Now he's moved into the guest position. I'm sitting in his seat and Dr. Johnson's seat. And Dr. Moore, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm part of the Pentadexter Fan Club. Always enjoy listening to you. And so it's an honor to be here on the other end of the microphone with you. Well, we tried not to do too much damage on the Resolutions Committee. That's a few Correct. years ago, <laughs> uh, but it was fun to get to know you then, and I followed your career, and of course, it's great for you to stay. I know you're on your way to the airport to head back to Louisville tonight, but uh, I just want to pick your brain about a few things, mm-hmm. because it's quite a brain, ladies and gentlemen. You'll find that out in this segment. But first of all, uh, let me just play one quick clip. Uh, this is a Barack Obama, and this just has to do with... Uh, him telling CBN, this is a Christian Broadcasting Network, in the ways in which he is reaching out to evangelicals. The truth of the matter is, is that uh, you know I've been in a conversation with pastors since I moved to Chicago. I think they are a force for good and can do uh, great things in the community. And I think that not all the changes that we need in this country are going to be brought about because of a government program. All right, Dr. Moore, we spent a whole day talking about a speech that Obama did in 2006, the same one Jim Dobson talked about. Mm -hmm. It just amazes me some of the statements that Barack Obama makes about Christians when he says that the pastors are a force for good in a community, which should be true. They Mm -hmm. should be, but they're a lot more, aren't they? Sure, yes. And and I think that the, the really startling thing here is how naive some evangelical Christians can be. Evangelical Christians on the right, evangelical Christians on the left, but who who believe that any attention from someone who has at least a semblance of power, they suddenly just give up any prophetic role at all. That's what's really shameful here is hearing the way that some evangelicals are willing just to look right over what Barack Obama believes about any number of things, centrally the, the life of the unborn, and say, you know, he's a brother in Christ. He, he, he talks about Christian things. He talks about pastors doing the right thing in communities. Yeah, he believes that pastors do things in communities, but it's social gospel ministry. It's not a ministry that comes from the gospel-transforming Word of God. And, and that's where the difference lies. And I'm amazed that we have so many Christian leaders who aren't able to navigate that and see it. Well, I know Jim Dobson was trying to help clarify that for yeah. his listeners. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's getting a lot of criticism now, sure. even from Christians, because they said some of his comments were over the top. So yeah. do you think this whole uh, theological discussion about what evangelical Christianity really is should be part of a presidential campaign? Well, not necessarily part of a presidential campaign. I don't think that a presidential candidate ought to be involved in, in theological uh, discernment for the life of but the church. But he's trying to he's be. He's trying to be. Yeah, that's exactly right. But I think you need to have churches that know what they believe enough that they're able to listen and to find out what's really being said here. That's what's really startling to me. I think we have a lot of people in our churches who for so long have not had a big picture 
of the biblical revelation, that they're not, they're lacking in discernment. They're not able to see. Thankfully, we have a lot of exceptions to that, but I'm afraid we see it all over the place in our country and have for a long time. All right, let's switch gears a little bit because you've been in town. Uh, you've been speaking at Denton Bible Church, great church up there uh, in uh, Denton, Texas, and uh, your subject matter was very interesting. I know you talked about it on the show that you just did earlier, just having to do with the role of women in the church. Now, some people worry that feminism is seeping into the church. That may have been the reason they had you in, mm-hmm. but I think they might also be surprised how you supportive you are of women's role in the church. Just kind of talk about what that is and summarize it a little bit. Well, I think feminism is not just seeping into the church. I think it has taken over the church. I I think that we have been shaped by our culture in ways we don't even see and we don't even recognize. So that a lot of times you have people in churches who think that they have a biblical view of manhood and womanhood because they believe the husband is the head of the home, but they've got a passive husband who doesn't self-sacrificially lead. Sometimes you have women who believe that they're they're modeling biblical womanhood, but they're not doing that Titus 2 type of ministry that the Apostle Paul talks about. And so I think what you have to have is that kind of cultural vision counteracted. It means pastors who are willing to be brave and courageous and say things that are going to rile people up with specifics about what it means for a man sometimes to take on an extra job to be provider for his family, Uh, what it means for a woman to submit to her husband, even in, especially in decisions that she thinks are dumb. But, But she does so because it's a picture of the gospel. And so I think you've got to have a new generation of godly male leadership, and we've got to have churches that are equipping women to do ministry that only women can do, that Titus to one-on-one and, and, and across the board, women teaching women. I think a lot of our churches aren't doing that because they outsource women's ministry to a DVD that they can put in, that there's a, a highly talented, highly gifted female leader who's out there somewhere, and you, you take her her product, you take what she's doing and you put it in think, well, then now we've got it Mm. covered. Well, that doesn't work any more than saying, oh, well, why do we need to have a pastor in our church when we can just put in a Charles Stanley DVD and just watch it together as a church? No, you've got to train and equip women within the congregation to teach and to disciple women. And if you don't have that, the body of Christ is going to suffer. Now, some churches are beginning to do this right, because my experience with this over the last few years is just so opposite to this. At Mm -hmm. Prestonwood, they really do use the talented uh, women in the church to minister to women, and it's great. But talk about a little bit about, because, I mean, I don't believe that uh, a woman should be a senior pastor, Mm -hmm. and I I don't believe, I think in certain cases, in certain settings and classes, a woman could certainly teach where there were men present. Uh, But I don't think that a woman should necessarily sit in authority in any way over a man. So in a sense, I think we're looking at the father role that needs to be shored up. Mm -hmm. And then in many areas of Christianity, the senior pastor role and the teaching role that needs to be shored up as being men. Well, I think a lot of times you have people who assume that the New Testament is talking about a title. Who is senior pastor? Well, there is no category in the New Testament for True. senior pastor. Uh, what's defined there is the role of pastor and the role of teaching and exercising authority over over men. So sometimes you get churches out there that say, well, as long as our, our senior pastor is a man, then we've got our manhood-womanhood issue settled, when by far that's not the case. I mean, you've got, you've got young but men. But women are still running the church, right? Well, yeah, that's right. And, or you have no one running the church because you have men who have just checked out. They're, they're passive. They're not leading. And by leading, as Christ loves the church, pouring themselves out, sacrificing themselves for the best interest of others. If you don't have that model, what you're going to wind up with, 
the illusion is if you do away with godly male leadership, if you do away with male leadership, then you're going to have female leadership. That's not the way it works. It hasn't worked in our culture, even after 40 years of feminism. Instead, what do you have? You have a pagan patriarchy in which women are used. I mean, drive up and down the highways in our cities. We're now 40 years past Gloria Steinem, and we have restaurants that are named after female body parts in which women are put on display for men. That is not the equality of women. If you take away protective, godly male leadership, who gets hurt? Women and girls. Wow. You know, feminism, in a sense, it's uh, pushed the sexual revolution past its boundaries. That's That's something we're going to talk about a little bit later in the program. But I want to bring it to you for a moment because I checked out the Henry Institute website. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are director of the Carl Henry Institute. And uh, the Friday, June uh, 20th piece, which I would like to commend to people, Southern Baptist, the family and the rule of the appetites, and really talking about this culture that we're in, we may have as Southern Baptists or Christians the right ideas about the family. But there's something else needed, and you call it a warfare worldview, and you sort of bring the family into this. So can you just kind of quickly summarize it in a couple of minutes? Yeah, the New Testament says that what's happening is Satan is trying to destroy that image of Christ in the church that God has placed into the creation. He, he hates it because it reminds him that he is going to be destroyed. And so you've got spiritual warfare going on. I think so often Christians assume this is a matter of ideas. I'm going to get the right ideas about male leadership or about sexual morality or about internet pornography. But what they're missing is the fact that there are personal beings seeking to disrupt this. And so if you don't have an understanding of this invisible warfare going on all around you, you're not going to see what's at stake in men being good dads, in women being good moms, in men leading in churches, in women exercising their gifts in churches. You're not going to see what's happening there. Satan is trying to disrupt that picture because he doesn't like it. Well, we look at Ephesians 6, which is really a great passage about families and what everybody's role is supposed to be in this mutual submission that should take place in a marriage, but placing the father in his role. And there's a lot in there about spiritual warfare. Oh, yeah. I mean, Paul starts in Ephesians 5 talking about spiritual warfare and goes right into Ephesians 6 continuing about spiritual warfare. That's what's going on. He says that's what's happening. It's, It's a battle. Well, Dr. Russell Moore, uh, we could talk all day, and uh, I'm really glad to have been able to have this little discussion with you in the first segment of the show. I know I have to send you off to the airport, (laughs) but thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Penn. It's my pleasure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to catch you up on the news a little bit in the next segment, but also you might want to call in on this issue having to do with the role of women in a church. What do you think the role of women should be in the church? Are we doing the wrong thing with our women today? in evangelical churches. We'll talk about that right after this. I thought my life was too busy for me to get a master's degree, but Criswell College makes it easy. Did you know that you can now get a Master of Divinity degree in just one day a week? If I can fit this into my schedule, I know you can too. Come to Criswell College on Mondays and increase your education for more effective ministry. With concentrations in pastoral ministry, evangelism, Jewish studies, counseling, philosophy, and more, you can build your personal ministry with a master's degree or go on to get your doctorate. You'll study with some of the most distinguished professors in the nation and get plenty of hands-on experience outside the classroom. All it takes is one day a week. Come join me and my friends on the Criswell College campus and get your Master of Divinity degree. One day, one place. 
the new MDiv Monday program at Criswell College. Call us at 800-899-0012 or check us out at criswell.edu. Invest in God's kingdom and in yourself through the Criswell College. See us on the web at criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's Penna Dexter. I've had girls say, you're so lucky. Why am I lucky? Because your daughter's adorable. I was like, well, there there are bunches of moments where I don't feel so lucky. This is one of the Gloucester girls. Uh, This pregnancy pact that took place in Gloucester, Massachusetts, has been getting a lot of play. That was a former, I'm sorry, that was a graduate of Gloucester High School, Amanda Ireland. She was speaking with WBZ-TV. She got pregnant when she was a freshman, and she was talking here about the comments she heard from other girls. She certainly got a dose of reality. Uh, It may have been romantic for some of these girls to purposely get pregnant in high school, but I think they're finding out what it really is to take care of a baby. Later in the program, we're going to bring in Dr. Gary Rose from the Medical Institute for Sexual Help, Health. Uh, they are actually providing help to parents and to teens to navigate this culture that sends these um, sort of difficult messages, uh, I would say, sexually to students. And uh, just to help them navigate the teen years, they have a conference coming up in uh, Austin, Texas this weekend, and they've got a new program that they're launching that ought to help parents all over Texas. So you may want to listen into that later in the program. Uh, but let's uh, let's take some calls. I've asked the question since I was talking with Dr. Moore, who was at Dental, uh, Denton Bible Church, speaking about the role of women in the home and in the church. And uh, Anne from Dallas has called in on the issue. Anne, go ahead. Thank you. Um, I once read a book by Dr. Charles Stanley that's called A Man's Touch, and it was published in 1977. In that book, he gives the roles of the man as uh, the leader of his home being like um, running a corporation with various uh, parts of it, like your housing, food service, transportation, education. He lists a whole number of things like that. And that from that position, his wife is his helper or assistant. Um, when you list all those, it makes me think, it makes me laugh, because it seems like the wife fills basically all of those roles. Yeah, but the man is the head, you see. Right, and, she's, and she's and the VP of transportation, kind of finance. VP. Uh-huh, yeah. and, he, and she can do, you know, you know, a VP of a real corporation out there in the business world has a heavy load, but it's a, it's a subordinate load to the president. And that was my understanding of a woman's place from my home church uh, in my youth, and I'm... I'm approaching 70, so I was a kid a long time And have ago. you ever resented that you could never be the leader of the home? Does that ever bother you? No. What I resented was that my husband from the church he grew up in was not taught these leadership roles so that he had a picture of them. Mm-hmm. And so he had a completely different worldview about the male-female um, uh, relationship which was only the men get to live, and wives live lives vicariously through their husbands. 
And, Interesting. But I did not understand that because that, that I was never taught that. So that was, uh, in your home, that was a little bit of the vacuum that Dr. Moore was talking about. If we don't give proper teaching to men on how to be husbands and also how to be leaders in the church and just how to fulfill their role as a godly leader, then sometimes uh, we end up with a, a vacuum or sort of a dysfunctional situation. Very dysfunctional home and ended in divorce. The marriage ended mm. in divorce. Well, I'm sorry. Dr. Stanley wrote something there that is accurate and that allows the scripture to be fulfilled because we older women then have something to teach younger women according to the scripture. Great. And And that's uh, really the Titus 2 woman. Yes. But then we need the men to be teaching the, the younger men what their place is, so that we women have our place to play. Okay, well listen, Anne, thank you so much. I appreciate your calling in, and you know, 70 years of wisdom and experience, and some tough experiences taught you a lot. Uh, and on that note, uh, with regard to women, uh, it's very interesting. I found an article about the two presidential candidates, and their uh, actual um, putting their money where their mouth is, in their presidential campaign staffs. Uh, and the article is out of CNS News. It says, while Democratic presidential candidate Barack Obama has vowed to make pay equity for women a top priority if elected president, uh, his Senate staff was analyzed, and they found that women are outnumbered and also outpaid by men. And in contrast to that, John McCain's Senate office has uh, more women uh, in leadership positions, and uh, they outrank men, and they're also paid more than men. So I thought that was just an interesting tidbit. Speaking of John McCain, uh, he was speaking today in Washington, and he told a gathering of Latino officials over the weekend, actually this was over the weekend, that and you know we've been wondering about his position on illegal immigration going forward. He says the 12 million people in this country illegally must be treated with compassion. They are God's children, and they will be treated fashion. Uh, He also said, though, that many Americans don't believe uh, lawmakers, and he says that he thinks our borders need to be secured first before doing anything else. But he says that many Americans don't believe lawmakers when they say they will secure our borders. We must prove to them that we can and will secure our borders first while respecting the dignity and rights of citizens and legal residents of the United States. I don't think that uh, those two comments tell us a whole lot about whether or not John McCain would pursue uh, his policy and really dream of uh, immigration reform comprehensively, where a path to citizenship is actually provided for illegal immigrants. But this is what he's been talking about later, and I think we'll just have to follow him along the campaign trail to get a few more clues. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I do welcome more calls. I don't want to stop the calls from coming in on the issue of women, what their role should be in the home and what their role should be in the uh, church. Since we did tease that issue, we'd love to have you continue to call in on that, 800-881-9270. Later in the program, we're also going to talk about uh, a way of helping parents help their teens kind of get through those rough years where they're faced with so much sexual temptation. And uh, But uh, let's go now back to the news. President Bush was actually praising Congress for funding the troops fighting in Iraq. They finally passed a funding bill last week. He says it's a gesture of support for the brave U.S. troops. With this legislation, we send a clear message to all that are serving on the front line. 
that our nation continues to support them. And, uh, of course, that's a good thing because uh, I heard that uh, some of the branches of the military, I forget which ones, were having to be have funds actually taken from their branch and moved over into, I think it had to do with the, the Marines and the Navy, moving from one to the other in order to get people paid. Uh, of course, that was a temporary measure. They were fairly certain that uh, there would be war funding that ended up being passed. Uh, but it wasn't happening, and so some of these financial transfers were having to take place, and uh, it was getting a little bit uh, edgy there, and I'm glad Congress finally did the right thing, and of course that was a victory for President Bush. As we move into the November election, uh, we got to wonder, and we may talk about this later in the program, will the Iraq war continue to be an issue, or are things uh, getting so well in hand there that by the time November hits, it really won't be a campaign issue. We can talk about that later in the program. Uh, But let's go back to the news. Uh, Another piece of news, uh, the Pentagon actually announced charges. Uh, Remember the USS Cole bombing? It was eight years ago uh, in the year 2000. Here's a report on a new development with regard to someone who's been charged in that. The military says Abda al-Rahim al-Nashiri organized and directed the 2000 attack that killed 17 sailors and faces allegations including murder and treachery. Five of the eight charges carry the maximum penalty of death. Brigadier General Thomas Hartman, the legal advisor to the military tribunal system, says the charges still have to be approved by a senior official. Al-Nashiri has said he only confessed in the bombing after being tortured by U.S. interrogators. The CIA admits he was subjected to waterboarding. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. So I guess we'll have to find out if waterboarding will actually taint uh, the evidence and taint his testimony and this charge. Uh, But uh, this has been a long time coming. It took three years uh, after the incident, the coal bombing, which actually ended up in the death of 17 American soldiers. Three years later, uh, some of these charges were actually issued. And now five years later, uh, he's actually going to be tried. And I think this is in a military court. This guy is a member of al-Qaeda, and he's met with bin Laden on several occasions. Well, another piece of news, American University professor of finance Robert Lucy says that uh, we need gas prices to go up. We need to do something about our SUVs. Actually, we just need to learn from Europe. I look at uh, what Europe uh, did many, many years ago, which is basically take actions to discourage people from driving very large gas-guzzling automobiles. And I say to myself, why didn't we do that? Why didn't we get all those SUVs off the road that were taking our kids to soccer and helping us move things and keeping us safer on the road? Why didn't we force cafe standards uh, on our automobile industry and basically handicap the industry that's already in trouble? Why didn't we do all these things? Well, uh, we may begin to start doing all these things when we hear uh, what's going on with our gas prices and also the talk that's taking place in the United States Congress. Uh, Also, one more piece of news, and uh, in a a sense, uh, this is very sad, but British Prime Minister, the British Prime Minister Brown, says that the Zimbabwe election was actually bogus, and it really was. I think the message that is coming from the whole of the world is that the so-called election will not be recognized as legitimate 
that people want the violence in Zimbabwe to end, that the intimidation against the opposition parties and against the people of Zimbabwe has got to be brought to an end. President Mugabe, he was elected by 85.5% of the vote, but he basically said there was going to be a lot of violence if he didn't win. His opponent backed out, and uh, he's going to now face his other African heads of state in a meeting. We'll see what they say to him. Well, next up, we'll talk about, uh, talk about the sexualized culture. Stay with us. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. They see teen mothers as, you know, this newfound freedom and liberty, and, you know, oh, they're mature, they get treated like adults, um, but that that's not even the half of it. Officials are still trying to confirm if there was an actual pregnancy pact among a number of girls at the Gloucester, Massachusetts High School, all to get pregnant together. That was Alicia Mazio, a local teenager. Uh, She said, though, that uh, even if there's not this actual pact, girls in that high school have a glorified view of what it's like to be a teen mother. And this is part of the problems that were spawned by the sexual revolution. But, uh, of course, abortion is another part of it. And just uh, the confusion on the part of teenagers about sexuality is another part of it. But Gloucester teenage mother Alicia Mazio said that these girls really have a fantasy view of motherhood. I don't think they see the other side when the baby's crying from colic at 3 a.m. But some of these girls did find out because they actually had babies. Now, this is a problem, but I think a bigger problem is just what is our culture? What kind of message is it sending to our teenagers about sex? What about Planned Parenthood? They are certainly expanding, as we've talked about on this program before. They're in uh, poor neighborhoods. But they're also moving out into the suburbs and even into the malls. Uh, So... You know, what are we going to do about this? How do parents get some tools and some common sense to help their teens navigate their teen years when it comes to the issue of sex? So with us to talk about this is Dr. Gary Rose. He is the CEO of the nonprofit, the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. This is an organization that over the years here in Texas and in other areas across the country has brought a lot of good information to the teen sexuality debate and the issue. And Dr. Rose, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I'm pleased to be with you. I know that uh, you want to sort of expand your reach and uh, your message and mission and are putting some money and also some um, organizing efforts into helping parents and teenagers sort of have some common sense tools uh, to break through the message that they're being sent by the sexualized culture. So tell us about it. Well, we really think it's terribly important for parents to recognize that even though their kids may roll their eyes when we're trying to talk to them about these issues, that in reality, the kids want to hear from us and they want to have a dialogue with their parents. So if it helps, let me say that more than 90% of all teens say that they want a an open dialogue with their parents and they want a strong absence message from their parents. So Parents, listen up and, and get informed, and don't let uh, your fear or embarrassment about your past or anything else keep you from talking to your to your kids about this. It's so terribly important. So to help you, I would uh, suggest that you might take a look at our website, www.medinstitute.org. We have lots of information about the diseases and about the ways in which parents can interact with their kids. And um, 
just be ready because uh, this is a war and we need to be able to fight it. This story that I've been discussing is part of the problem. It's a small part, I would say, and really an anomaly. But uh, it was just kind of interesting that hit the news that during the 2007-2008 school year, the principal of this Gloucester High School in Massachusetts noticed there was a spike in uh, the number of girls becoming pregnant during the school year, and Time Magazine interviewed him. And he said the teen pregnancy rate had actually quadrupled at this high school, suspecting this pregnancy pact where the girls uh, agreed to have babies. Now that is one part of the issue and we do have schools actually making provision for these for these teen mothers which I mean I'm glad they are so that the teens don't think they have to abort the child. Right. But um, could there be a better way, a better message sent from our public school authorities? Well I certainly think so. I, I, all of this I believe is a reflection of our over-sexualized culture and the idea that it's glamorous to be a teen and be pregnant because uh, some superstars are, are experiencing that and it, it's it's glorified. And so, you know, I think that schools really have uh, a message to give, and that is if you get pregnant, you're unlikely to be successful in achieving your life's goals. Only um, two-thirds of young women who get pregnant as teens finish high school. Only t- about 20% of them marry the father of their baby. Almost 80% of them are on some sort of welfare or have to have assistance in order to, to rear that child. And their child is much more likely to become a teen parent themselves and to be in trouble with the law. There are all of these reasons why it's such a bad idea. And, and you know, we're all attacked for saying, oh, you're just all about absence and that's not going to work and it's all about no, no, no. Let's turn it around. You're saying no to some things, but you're saying yes to other things. And that's what we need to encourage these kids. Say yes to a future that has a lot of hope for you. What are you saying yes to? You're saying yes to an education. Yes. You're saying yes to a healthy relationship where the uh, emotional relationship starts things off and the sexual relationship comes later after you have a commitment. You're saying yes to a home for your children that's stable, that provides for them. What else? Well, for one thing, you're saying yes to a father, which we think is terribly important for our family. Uh, you're saying yes to building a nest that's secure and firm. And, you know, this idea of, well, you ought to have sex with uh, a variety of people so you can find the right partner, that's ridiculous. Sex is the most intimate thing that you can share with another person. And so, you know, you need to, to have an opportunity to have a relationship with that person to see if you really like that person through thick and thin before you crown the relationship with that kind of an experience. You're also saying uh, yes to health because sexually transmitted diseases follow a promiscuous sexual lifestyle. Uh, Dr. Gary Rose, speaking of health, is the CEO of the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. And I do remember uh, in years past seeing uh, presentations from your organization about the sexually transmitted diseases that plague us today, so many more than when I was a teenager, and what they do and how some of the um, the repercussions are irreversible, either for uh, your future sex, uh, your future uh, fertility, or just your future health. And so that's part of this, isn't it? It certainly is, and I, I think that many of uh, parents and certainly grandparents grew up in an era where we really talked about venereal diseases and we were talking about two, talking about gonorrhea and syphilis. Now they're known to be at least 26 sexually transmitted diseases. 
And many of them are viral, for instance, HIV, which is lifelong, but particularly genital herpes. And uh, our studies now show that if you look at everyone in this country over age 12, one in six has genital herpes. That's a lifelong infection. And, you know, the recent study that came from the CDC that showed that when they survey uh, girls, adolescent girls, between the ages of 14 and 19, one out of every four had a sexually transmitted disease. That's tragic, you know. And so, you know, we're just talking about diseases here, but the emotional consequences, who knows what the toll for that is, to have a lifelong infection that you have to carry into your marriage. This weekend, uh, you are putting on a conference in Austin, Texas, and uh, tell us a little bit about the conference. If anybody wants to go to Austin or can go, how can they do so? Well, uh, we'd be thrilled to have people. Uh, We've never had our national conference in Austin before. It's always been in Washington, D.C., Chicago, other places around the country, but we thought it might be nice to have it here in Texas for the first time. So uh, it will actually be on uh, the 9th and 10th. It's a week from uh, this Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, We have uh, an extensive program for uh, absence educators, health care providers, et cetera, that have signed up for the entire meeting. But for parents, if they'd like to come for just half a day, we have a a special rate for them uh, to provide at least one meal and for you to hear some of these speakers talk, and they're really outstanding, some very, very well-known. How can people find out about it? Go to our website, www.medinstitute.org, and click on the national meeting, and you can find out all the details of where it will be and the times and the registration and so forth. And we'd just love to have as many parents as we could possibly get to attend that meeting. Can you give me a hint? Now, I have re- um, I have three children in their 20s, and I was always committed to teaching them abstinence, and I did, and we had lots of talk about it. But it, it seems I was just always nervous about it. Uh, it was difficult to bring it up, and I, I got myself through that nervousness. And I forced myself to talk to them, and I found it easier to talk to my daughter than my sons. Yes. Um, but can you give us a couple, in the remaining couple minutes we have here, give us a hint of what you're going to talk about by telling us how parents can maybe get that conversation started. Well, I think it's really important for parents to uh, see what kids are watching on television and to ask questions. Well, what do you think about that? Do you think there are any consequences to this? Do you think this is going to have any repercussions when they do decide to get married? Listen to their music. See what movies they're going to, and and open the discussion by asking questions. And parents don't overreact. Listen, and then we, we really think there's some resources. Don't freak have. out. Yeah, don't freak out. We think that all parents have this problem, and so we're really putting a big push towards reaching parents. And we have just completed this week uh, our first DVD that will be enable a parent to see the DVD with their child. It's aimed at the beginning of the funnel, the third to fifth grade, where we really want to talk about medical issues such as upcoming puberty, reproduction, and we say repeatedly through that DVD, it's important to talk to me about that and save these uh, activities till marriage. Dr. Gary Rose from the Medical Institute for Sexual Health, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for your work. Uh, It's extremely important. It's really life-changing work, and it affects uh, parents all over the country. I encourage people to go to this website. Can you give us the website one more time? You bet. www.medinstitute.org.
Thank you so much for letting me share this information with you. Thank you, Dr. Rose. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I will take some calls in the next segment if you'd like to weigh in on this issue. Are you like me? Was it a little hard for you or is it hard for you to speak with your children about sexual issues? Do you have any uh, hints for parents or any stories about doing so? We'd love to hear from you. 800-881-9270. We'll also get into the news and uh, we'll just kind of close out the program. I thought my life was too busy to get a master's degree, but Crystal College makes it easy. Did you know that you can now get a Master of Divinity degree in just one day a week? If I can fit this into my schedule, I know you can too. Come to Crystal College on Mondays and increase your education for more effective ministry. With concentrations in pastoral ministry, evangelism, Jewish studies, counseling, philosophy, and more, you can build your personal ministry with a master's degree or go on to get your doctorate. You'll study with some of the most distinguished professors in the nation and get plenty of hands-on experience outside the classroom. All it takes is one day a week. Come join me and my friends on the Crystal College campus and get your Master of Divinity degree. One day, one place. MDiv Monday at Crystal College. Call us at 800-899-0012 or check us out at chriswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. Invest in God's kingdom and in yourself through the Chriswell College. See us on the web at chriswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. If I could just have the thing and, and give it to you now, I totally would. But I'm guessing it looks probably like a sea monkey right now. We should let it get a little cuter, right? Great. Fox Searchlight Pictures presents a comedy about life. Well, I thought you were the kind of girl who knew when to say when. I don't really know what kind of girl I am. All right, that's a trailer from the movie Juno, and of course it's about a teenage girl who gets pregnant, decides to have the baby, uh, but she ends up giving it to a married couple that wants a baby, so it's a pro-life message. Her parents supported that decision, that uh, she have the baby, but that question by her father I thought was interesting, that he thought she was the kind of girl that uh, knew when to say when, and uh, you know, one wonders uh, if fathers all over the nation are talking to their daughters enough about... uh, really dating, about uh, behavior on dating, about just sexuality, about saving sex for marriage and all of these things. It's an important thing. It should happen early. Apparently in this culture, it's just got to happen early because of what we see in the media. And it should happen often. And I think moms and dads uh, both should be part of this, maybe at uh, different times. And uh, we did ask for your calls on this issue. Lindsay uh, from DeSoto has called in. Lindsay, uh, I want to hear from you. I wanted to say that I really appreciate the gentleman that was just speaking. um, Dr. Rose. Yes, go ahead. That was Dr. Rose discuss these things as believers. Uh, Being a believer in my 20s, I was never taught this from my parents, and I think I came out with the wrong perspective as a result of um, what God's gift of sex is in a marriage, and I had almost a a dirty idea of it, and I don't think that that's uh, what God desires. So you knew that uh, you shouldn't be having sex before marriage, but you kind of wondered about whether it was a godly activity even during marriage? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's just it just seems dirty because the only people who are talking about it is the world. 
and uh, believers don't talk about it enough to give the right perspective, the biblical perspective on it. You know, uh, the Bible talks about it, Lindsay, and thank you so much for that uh, view of things, because I do think it's an important one. In the book of Genesis, it's so beautiful when uh, it talks about how God made the woman for the man. I mean, she was made for the man. Now, there are other parts of the Old Testament where there is polygamy, but that's not God's way, and that's not the way that God planned it to be. And so when you go back to the New Testament, and God begins to talk about marriage again. And then, of course, there are these lists of, of sins, and fornication is one of them. And so, uh, you know, it is good to look at the Scripture and see that God's plan for sex within marriage is a beautiful plan. There's nothing dirty about it. But what we tend to do as human beings is take beautiful things that God planned for us and pervert them by abusing them. And uh, that's kind of what we're trying to talk about today and to uh, really help our teenagers take a different path than the sexualized culture has taken. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's just go back to a statement by President Bush. He was pretty happy about a bill that he got to sign today. Let's go to that audio. With this legislation, we send a clear message to all that are serving on the front line that our nation continues to support him. President Bush was happy because after several fights over this, uh, he finally got his uh, bill funding the troops passed uh, before everybody went home for vacation. And, you know, I asked the question earlier whether uh, folks thought that Iraq would be an issue by the presidential election. Uh, There's one often quoted statistic in this campaign that goes something like two-thirds of the American people don't approve about the way the uh, government is handling the Iraq war. And so they think that uh, perhaps John McCain will lose out because of that. But first, I wonder about uh, how these polls were worded. Uh, Also, there is a lot of positive news right now coming out of Iraq that is not yet, I don't think, penetrating the public uh, psyche. And uh, by November, it may make this issue either less important or may cause it to swing over to John McCain uh, if he handles it right, which is can be a big question. But the Washington Post uh, even admitted to a lull in news coverage about Iraq last month in the month of May. They called it odd. Uh, but the spikes in violence always get covered, it seems, in the media. Their editorial was entitled Iraqi Upturn, and the Washington Post blamed the election for the fact that the media actually took a while to notice. I think they're now here at the end of June finally noticing that the month of May could actually turn out to have been one of the most important months of the war. And this is because in some very stubborn areas, the port city of Basra, Sadr City in Baghdad, the Iraqi government and the Iraqi army have for the first time actually gained full control there. Also, Iraqi and U.S. forces are pushing forward in Mosul, which is the last urban refuge of al-Qaeda. Now, General Petraeus pointed out that attacks in Iraq hit a four-year low in mid-May. And also the U.N. Uh, U.S. ambassador, Ryan Crocker, to Iraq, he's pretty much of a conservative when he assesses positive developments. He said the terrorists have never been closer to defeat than they are now. Another uh, piece of information you may not know, U.S. troop deaths fell to their lowest level since the war began in 2003 in the month of May. This was an 86 percent drop from one year ago. 
improved security allowed oil production to rise to its highest level. Of course, we've been hearing in the news this week that Iraq is actually putting oil production and refining out to bidders from other country. Uh, this is the highest level since the new government was formed of production of oil in Iraq. Also, remember, just a year ago, everybody worried about all-out civil war in Iraq. Critics were complaining that the Iraqis were not doing their part. Some politicians, remember Harry Reid, we played this bite ad infinitum, the war is lost. Now the Iraqi government is restoring order throughout the country. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as we know, and as John McCain keeps reminding us, these security gains are fragile, perhaps even reversible. But this fall's election, both in the U.S. and also the elections in Iraq, of course, they could cause some mischief. But the generals are discussing actually revising upwards their projections for troop pullouts. Barack Obama wants to pull the troops out a couple of brigades a month, I believe, and within 16 month, months get them all out. Maybe that will happen. Who knows? Uh, we'll certainly leave some troops there. But CIA Director Michael Hayden says al-Qaeda movements in Iraq and Saudi Arabia are essentially defeated. They've been pushed back in other areas. Now, given this news, it seems to be very hard to grasp how candidates and members of Congress could block funding for our troops there, sustain their calls to leave Iraq to the Iraqis, because this progress actually makes even the call for a congressionally approved pullout timetable sound really hollow and sound kind of naive. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's look at this from a perspective of success, the success that's taking place in Iraq. The ebb and flow of war is a part of life. It's a part of the life of a powerful nation that cares about protecting its own citizens and about stopping governments and movements from using terror and genocide to subdue people. Certainly the candidates need to talk about that, and to the extent that they emphasize that, I think they will convince the American people that we need to stay in Iraq for a little while longer and keep the peace. But we are winning that war. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a lot of great guests for you tomorrow, so join us then. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.